Thanks to Crime Malt. This is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. G'day. G'day, viewers, listeners, uh, readers, anyone with a, even a passing interest. I'm excited. What's got you excited, mate? Well, it's getting ever closer to, to Good Beer Week. And uh, whilst I know there are plenty of other exciting events on the calendar around the country and around the world... Um, obviously, when you your local one, you you have a little bit more uh, joy reserved for, I guess. And this year, particularly because I think um, year six, uh, it, it's kind of I, I think, despite the fact that it already has quite a um, a name in the marketplace, I guess uh, I think it's about to blossom. And this week, of course, I guess is is part two of our. It's not a, not a history or an homage to Good Beer Week, but certainly we spoke to James Smith um, in our last episode, and um, this week, we'll, and, and that was sort of talking about the, I guess the, the emergence, the um, origination, the genesis of of Good Beer Week and how it all kind of came to be. Uh, and today we kind of get to have a look and uh, a bit of a snapshot as to where it is here and now with Chev. A very nice introduction to the fact that we're speaking to Siobhan Kerrin, who is the program director for the uh, Good Beer Week. Um, but I guess before we go straight into that, Prof, uh, how's your week been? Uh, we've just come out of the Anzac Day long weekend, uh, where hopefully listeners have commemorated Anzac Day, not celebrated it, but commemorated it. Uh, commemorate, um, yes, uh, respectfully. Uh, did, did, have you uh, been up to much since uh, last week, Prof? Uh, not a lot. No, it's been fairly busy. It's been birthday season in the uh, in the Pilsner uh, household. I'll, I'll give a shout out to my my eldest Pilsner, Catherine, uh, who's twenty one as we record this today. So it's um, an auspicious, suspicious occasion in the um, in the Pilsner um, household. So I've been busy. Sort of, she's been no party. Uh, I don't know whether it is with young people today. They just, eh, not really kind of into the whole party thing. Don't get to catch up with my friends. So she's kind of had all her friends around individually for dinners and. Uh, you know, family round and uh, and travelled and had some uh, you know outings. Uh, so that's that's been my weekend. Is twenty one still a big milestone? I'd have to admit my uh, eldest is still seven years away from that, so I'm not sure quite what uh, is because you know, obviously twenty one was once the key to life. Uh, it was when you received the key to life and you were twenty one uh, yeah. and you could drink. Yep, I actually had to think about that, and I I reckon it's that. Like we didn't have when we turned twenty one, and I don't want to be you know sort of radio Bruce news ancient history um, segment. But when we turned twenty one, Matt, um, there wasn't a lot else to do. To be fair, in terms of your, your outings, so I guess parties, you know, that was your chance to catch up with everyone because you didn't have Facebook or any other sort of social media. Social media was somebody would ring somebody on a on a dialer phone, um, a rotary dialer phone, um, sometimes even a pay phone, folks. Um, and you'd sort of, you know, gather the, the crew together and you'd organise a party and where to get around and all that sort of thing. And if you lost your friends at a nightclub because they went to another nightclub, you either had to take a punt on where they went or you just went home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was no place. checking in and updating your status. <laughs> <laughs> you did that You did that two days later. Where, where, where are you? Where'd you get to? <laughs> oh, I thought you said the Union Hotel. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, God, the, we, we, we might have times, to start Stellar <laughs> <Stammer laughs> Waldorf here. No, but I do think that uh, the kids of today do have a, a lot more options. So whether or not, yeah, the, like she, her friends, some some had, you know, uh, the, the traditional, I guess, you know, party. But most of them have sort of had, you know, a, a dinner at home and then they've gone out and done a, 
you know, a escape room or, a, you know, jump deck or one of these, you know, sort of adventure sort of things. I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of regressing. You know, they're going back to basically grown-up kids' playgrounds, you know, indoor playgrounds. There you go. So, uh, mate, but, but, so well, I, I guess that's you since last week. I've um, had a, I've just had a lovely weekend in Sydney. I was down there for a uh, corporate beer tasting and decided to make a weekend of it uh, with my partner and had a very nice time. I, I don't spend as much time in Sydney as I do in Melbourne. Um, so it was good to have a little bit of a look-see uh, around the, the, the scene and, I um, posted to my personal Facebook page as opposed to the Australian Brews News Facebook page uh, just two very contrasting beer lists. Um, we popped into Soiree, uh, which is the uh, bar in the Sofitel. And, you know, Sofitels do tend to have a very good re uh, reputation, very nice uh, restaurants uh, typically. And uh, I took a photo of a beer list that was pretty much all – in fact, it was all lion. Um and you know, I think the most, yeah, they had Little Creatures Pale Ale, great beer, not, nothing wrong with that, and 150 White, dashes. White Rabbit was there. White Rabbit and was there. And at least, I, I, I will say, Matt, just before you go on, I did notice that it, it did have the James Squire Pilsner, which for me is still, it's still up there in terms of a, um, I guess, you know, a, a banner-waving um, Pilsner style, you know, version of the style. Um, but you don't often see it on... It, it seems to be the gold nail and the, the 150 lashes seems to be the, the golden child at the moment. Absolutely. And, and, and so I, I guess that was the point I was making. And, you know, a couple of people wanted to, to sort of comment that, oh, you know, gee, what a shit beer list and things like that. And, and that wasn't actually the point that I was making. It was because, you know, like, as you said, the Squires Pilsner is an excellent beer. It, you know, it sort of seems to bounce around a little bit um, depending on, you know, what the – Pressures are um, over the years, but it certainly is tasting very nicely. Little Creatures Pale Ale, even James Squire Golden Ale, you know, is you know a, a beer that um, is very very popular. But it was more a case of you've got a hotel that is offering a you know very proudly proclaiming a five star um, experience for discerning travellers, all of that sort of thing. Um, and to just have a beer list that they've essentially gone, okay, you know. Who's going to give us the best deal on having porridge rights on through our bar, and we'll just take your beers? And they've effectively outsourced the uh, list to you know a, a multinational uh, beer company. I, that to me so says, well, you know, what's the story behind their wine list, for example? You know, and uh, obviously they had some sort of deal with uh, Vove Clicquot. Is that how you Verve pronounce Clicquot, it? Yeah. Vove Clicquot, because as the door shut in the lift, you know, you see this full. Um, sized ad come come across and you just sort of think well look, you know it's a little bit tacky isn't it um, you know it's meant to be a five star experience and yet you're sort of shoving these branding exercises down our throat when it's not actually a discerning e experience um, and you know it might, it might be a little bit harsh to say but you know my, my next thought was you know what's going to happen when I walk into the uh, bathrooms are there going to be condom bending machines and pheromone you know things and were there you know? <laughs> I, I didn't actually pop in, but uh, my, my, my partner said I was being a little bit harsh um, uh, in, in saying that. But, you know, it, it, it was a little bit tacky. Um, particularly they, when... There's no way they would have had treated uh, treated their wine list with, with the same, and I'll, I'll call it disrespect, uh, just sort of just take an easy option, just get one person to supply all of our beer. They wouldn't say, well, you know, let's go to Wolf Glass and we'll just have uh, all Wolf Glass wines and, and think that well, they'd get away with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, you'd presume not. But then again, in this day and age, if you've got a you know, hotel chain like that um, taking such a lazy approach to their beer list, um, how, how do you know? I mean, particularly when they are so obviously having commercial arrangements with a champagne and, you know, so it was verve everywhere. It um, does highlight too, Matt, I reckon, another issue, and that is that you and I and our listeners are probably clued into to what we're talking about, but I would imagine a lot of people would go and look at that list and say, wow, look at all these different beers. Um, and, and I guess assume from, you know, all these different breweries uh, and not click that it's, it's you know, we've, we've done a deal. Yeah, and, and, and I guess that's the, the idea behind having, you know, Lion having Kosciuszko, White Rabbit, Little Creatures, um, James Squire, um, and then even coming out, you know, with the the, the Tui's, um, you know, Darling Pale Ale, and making it all look very historical and, and, and very old. And you know, that's good business on on, on one hand, um, and you can certainly understand why they're doing that. I, I guess my point was from the hotels chain that you know it's it's either just a you know head office, you know. Here's what you'll be doing or, from now on. Here's yeah. what you'll be doing, or just a very lazy food and bev manager. Um, who just yeah doesn't pay any respect and and then I contrasted that actually I'd, it was a bit of a theme through the trip because um, when I got to the airport the you get to just one of those airport concessions which is typically you know a, a, a pretty drab place to go um, and they've got green beacon um, in the fridge and they've got green beacon on tap they do have the harm super dries and they do have the um, pure blondes oh, but this they a, also have Brisbane airport. At Brisbane Airport, and apparently the international airport has got a uh, very similar, which is pretty much all um, Green Beacon. Um, and, and I chatted to the guys from Green Beacon, and uh, yet they were actually approached. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't them being touting. very proactive yeah, or, and yeah. touting. It was they were approached because oh. the um, airport concession wanted to have some local craft brews to give a taste to Brisbane, which I, I guess primed my thinking to to that as I was then travelling through Sydney, um, because you go past Sydney and they've got a bar called the Tap House that is just every line beer ever made yeah. is on, on tap there. Um, which, again, you know, gives you a nice selection because you can still get a lap of blonde and, and those yeah, sorts of things. Yeah, or do I feel like a pale ale or, yeah, gold ale. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's choice of some sort. But, but, but it really highlighted that. And then uh, um, as a bit of a treat, I was taken to Key, um, which is at Circular Key, which is one of those sort of very... Uh, yeah, upmarket um, restaurants. It's an e very... eatery, I think, Matt. No, no, I think no, it's you can't, a... You can't like use the word upmarket and restaurant. It's an upmarket eatery. Oh, okay. Or is it, maybe that's just a Melbourne expression. It might be a... Okay, not sure it is. <laughs> uh, no, but it was, it, would, it was certainly, you know, very, you know, I, I think there were three waiters to each uh, guest sort of thing and, you know, every uh, different type of butter had a different type of butter knife um, sort of arrangement. So, you know, they, they, they take it very... Um, seriously, um, it was a lovely, lovely experience. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm just having a bit of um, fun at it. But it was, you know, very much silver service, five star um, catering, and they had a you know, relatively short, probably 12, 13 beers, um, and they had some of the, you know, very mainstream, popular beers. But then they also had um, La Seren. Uh, they had the um, Suburban Red. Last week we talked about the Suburban Pale from Boat Rocker. Yes. They had Suburban Red on. Oh, there you go. Um, and, they, you know, they had a couple of Sydney beers. So it was a really nice they, – they'd chosen some good Sydney beers. They had some mainstream classics. And then they just had some, uh, you know, fairly – probably not to us, but to a mainstream and certainly to a tourist um, niche beers. Um, 
And then the thing that really surprised me is that when I ordered, I, and I ordered the Suburban Red, um, it was brought out and served in a beautiful wine glass, which you know, is something that I often do um, at beer tastings because I think that a wine glass, um, most venues don't have like a nice Spiegelau uh, stemmed Pilsner glass or that style of glass, so a wine glass does that very nicely. Um, and it was just awesome to see that you know their treatment of wine, and they had you know they've got about they employ about seven sommeliers, two head sommeliers, and then a chief sommelier. Um, their respect for wine, their respect for the dining experience, didn't end at the the you know the, the beer list and the beer service. It carried right through, and uh, I, I just thought that was an awesome. Um, an awesome experience. Well, so, uh, certainly, yeah, by way of contrast, it certainly, I guess, yeah, makes them uh, look a lot better as well. You know, yeah, well, like it, 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 to, to me, um, like I talk about uh, signalling or, you know, integrity in, in what you're offering, and I, I compare the Sofitel, which is supposedly a an, an upmarket hotel experience, and uh, they, they tout their bar as being a place, you know, for discerning guests. And yet, They've been quite happy to um, diminish that by having a what I regard as a like a, a compromised experience where they've just lazily handed over their beer list and compare that to, to a restaurant that is promising the same sort of you know luxury or boutique experience and they actually delivered um, in, in an area that I have a particular sensitivity to. So yeah, I thought that was a very very cool. But um, yeah, no, it's a. Just very interesting uh, experience through uh, Sydney. There you go. Uh, any particular mm. beers uh, that you had that worthy of mention? I know the, the suburban red. So yeah, Boat Rocker seems to be nailing it. Um, which uh, again, maybe we we might have to. I've talk already to the guys already teed up to uh, to speak to Matt and uh, and his brewer. Uh, I caught up with them uh, on Tuesday night and made an appointment. So we're going to uh, have them on in, in a couple of weeks' time, Pro probably after Good Beer Week. Um, his his uh, his schedule is is fairly tight uh, for Good Beer Week. They've got plenty on. Mm, but okay, well, that's great. So uh, and Ed, look, I look at that. That was my weekend. I'm not sure if there is much else. Uh, what else? I was going to give a, a quick shout out to um, the new beers for the beers beers of the backyard release from um, our friends up at Stone and Wood, which is the big scrub. You just reminded me. I've got to go collect mine from my. Um... There you go. Get it. Get into it. Um, I... it. Look, it's just one of those things. It's not groundbreaking. It's not, um, you know, uh, packed with flavour and and you know uh, anything like that. But what it does, I guess, do is show that you know lager in, in craft, I think, is breaking breaking down more barriers than than craft is into mainstream. Um, some of the the beers that I've had recently. Um, the Nortons from uh, Holgate, uh, the Mornington Peninsula guys um, lager in the cans I had, um, are just showing that lager can actually have some subtlety, some nuance, some beautiful grainy malt um, and, a, a, and a nice balance in the same way that a, a big IPA can have balance. And it just shows, I, I, I guess, you know, there's we've, we've got a, a, still a, a bit of a way to go, but is not a dirty word. It's certainly not. And, it, it, you know, it, it, I've, I, I know I've been guilty of in the past talking about, you know, bland, fizzy lagers and, and, and those sorts of things. But, you know, the, a couple of times uh, recently, 
depending on the you know, at events I've been, they, they've served some of the you know, Japanese lagers and things like that. They, they certainly serve their place. Um, yep. And, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, in the 70s or the 80s, um, you know, Riesling was a big thing and, you know, all of, all of my parents uh, and their friends were drinking Rieslings and suddenly they became NAP and they were sort of sown on grass at Grata for more than a decade. Suddenly, you know, because... And, and same with Chardonnay. Yeah, Chardonnay became a thing. Savvy, savvy B. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I'd hope, well, well, that, I'd that still seems to be riding the wave. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, um, a bit Mrs Pilsner you know, agree certainly these days. Um, enjoys a, a nice, crisp, um, you know, bright Riesling. Mate, we might uh, get in and introduce our guest, uh, Siobhan Karen from Good Beer Week, have a bit of a chat with uh, with her, and then, uh, yeah, have a bit of a chat uh, with you at the end. See you on the other side. I don't know. I've been in beer for quite a long time now um, in various roles. Currently, um, my role is program manager at Good Beer Week, so quite hectic at the moment. But, um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of other sort of things um, in hospitality and, and run venues in beer, um, Worked for a couple of breweries, worked in bars, other bars, so a bit, bit all over the place. Now, when you say you've been in beer, um, Pete was saying off air that you guys used to work together. Not together. So I, I started in hospitality when I was 16, so it's coming up to almost 20 years. Um, and I used to work at a restaurant called um, Keg, so not a lot of people know about that, but it was a franchise kind of um, venue that was um, dotted around uh, Australia and quite a few people used to work for them. So I know Pete, I'm not sure which one you worked at, Pete, but um, I was in Doncaster. Um, yeah, I did Doncaster Brewer. for a while. So yep. you did Doncaster for a while. I think it was before my time. But um, Yeah, thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so so, so tell it, how long ago was Keg? Uh, how 90, long ago? 91. Yeah. 91 through to they sold in uh, two. 2001 or two, I think. Now, I, think given, I think it was two, yeah. Yeah. Given you can be coming up for long service leave um, in the beer industry these days, you know, six years after Little Creatures was born, um, you know, if you started working in the beer industry and you guys are talking about something that was early 90s, describe the keg to us. To describe, you know, it, it, these days something called the keg would be, you know, 15, 20 taps of craft beer with... Uh, you know, bearded people pouring <laughs> crazy barrel-aged things. <laughs> Tell us about the keg. What was the keg like? I've just walked in the door. What am I seeing? I think TGI Fridays kind of, yeah. you know, I guess, isn't it, Chef? It's kind of like North American, uh, almost, I guess, you know, very very much sort of, you know, timber, um, uh, you know, ski resort chalet-like, but a bit mm. more kind of, you know, rural slash uh, rustic. Um, and that was really how I don't know about Chef, but that was where my interest in beer was really peaked. As a as a bar manager there, we were um, they created a thing called the Beer Passport, which are drink your way around the world kind of concept. So we had all these different beers coming in, and people would say and to I'm me, "Picturing oh, 15, 20 lagers, oh, it, it, all of them lagers, trip except the for except for yeah. Guinness, they were they were all lagers, and everything we ever had on tap, the uh, you know, was was pretty yeah. much um, certainly you know the six six or seven years that I was with them." full-time, um, yeah, we had, you know, Carlton Draft we just used to pump through tonnes of and, um, you know, your pure blonde or whatever, um, Carlton Cold or, you know, whatever else it might have been and we always had a tap of light. Um, but it was really sort of the fridge selection that, I guess, set, set them apart a little bit early on. And did it similarly inspire your interest in beer, Siobhan? 
Um, yeah, well, when I started there, I was underage. So um, I was actually a kitchen hand. Um, and it was pretty cool because, especially someone who was 16, having a bar there. Um, unfortunately, in 1996, uh, there weren't many choices. It was lagers. And, you know, when you started drinking, it was either you're a Carlton Draft person or you're a VB. Um, ashamed to admit that I was a VB girl. Um, but <laughs> we had, we again, had both cards there. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, but as Pete said, they had that, that you know, passport of beer, which I guess kind of helped me understand. You know, we had things like Beamish on and I had an Irish boss and we poured Guinness when I was taught how to pour one properly and all that sort of stuff. So... That, that kind of, yeah, it did sort of incite that, but also the fun of, of working in hospitality and Keg really sort of did that um, and sort of that. So I, re I really enjoyed my time there and I actually ended up staying there for 10 years. So um, I actually ended up getting long service leave from that job, which I don't think many people can well, say. Well, no, I reckon, so, you, yeah, but, you and maybe one other. Matt Nevitt, I think, you're one of your former bosses. I reckon he might have been the other one. Yeah. Oh, I think um, Sam from Mountain Goat as well can claim that as well. She's been down there for over 10 years, so... Um, yeah, there's not there's not many people who stay that, but I mean I, I had a great opportunity there. Um, I came in as a as a junior and worked through the kitchen, became a waitress. Then when I hit 18, I became a bartender. Um, around the time, sort of 2002, um, became sort of bar manager, and at that time the keg was actually sold. And as um, uh, uh, Pete just mentioned before, um, it was taken over, and they transformed it into a Belgian beer bar. Um, with a focus on mussels and all that sort of stuff, I guess a bit of a rip-off from the Belgian beer cafe concept. But um, I wasn't complaining. We've got a you know, brand-new beer system, um, you know, with all the sort of the, the pouring, you know, uh, system, chilling the glassware, all that sort of stuff, the new fob system at the back. Like, it was just, a, you know, brilliant. Um, we had Stella on tap. We had Left Blonde. Um, you know, Blonde was actually blonde, not uh, mm -hmm. low-carb. Um, Hoogarden, you know, we've got some Matilda Bay on, we had some Cascades sort of stuff, you know, the Four Seasons. You know, so it just sort of, I think, right at that point, sort of helped me start understanding that there were different um, styles of beer, not just lager. Um, and we had a pretty impressive little um, Belgian beer bottle range. And that probably so, helped again, you... Again, that kind of... Sorry. So that probably helped you okay. um, when you moved into, into Beer Deluxe, uh, which, again, was probably another first for Melbourne in that it was it was the first, I guess, central um, and specialist, um, you know, inverted commas, craft beer bar. So that, that experience must have sort of stood you in good stead when you when you went over there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because as I said, I go, yeah, I, sort of after that long service leave and then kind of went and travelled um, through Germany and Belgium and again just sort of started, you know, increasing my, my love of beer and I guess learning more about it and then sort of came back and, was pretty dead set on making sure that I could learn as much as I could and um, move venues. So I went across and started at The Undertaker, which is in Hawthorne, uh, which is now Beer Deluxe Hawthorne, which is a bit weird. Um, so I set up a craft beer sort of bar underneath that, um, sort of trying to change that sort of stuff. And that's where it kind of really blossomed, um, where I was able to sort of, you know, dealing with people like, you know, Mountain Goat and I, you know, that was going to the showcase and checking that out and, you know, there's only 10 breweries there and stuff. So I kind of was able to sort of see that, that grow um, pretty rapidly. And I guess probably how hard it was going to be. A lot of people at that point didn't really um, think there was much to it with beer. They just, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So, um, and also there was that sort of 
uh, you know, imported is great. So vibe. But, has to, uh, yeah, it has to be better yeah, than the that. local stuff. Yeah. Hey, that probably... Oh, it's um, fancier. It's, it's more expensive, so it's, so it so it's better. better. You know, it's fancy. <laughs> it's, in a, it's in a special glass, so it must be, you know, that sort of stuff. So. Now, that sort of leads us towards, I guess, the, the next phase um, of your journey through your career in beer, um, which is yep. the, the, the Good Beer Week side of things. And this year, the Festival Hub is back at, at, at Beer Deluxe. Having worked at, at right. Beer Deluxe in the city and also um, The Undertaker out at Hawthorne, do you find, do you think, is it, how important is it to, to, I guess, particularly for a city like Melbourne, um, it's great to have the you know, Brunswick East and the Fitzroy Collingwood, the Smith Street scene and, and all, you know, Northcote and all these bars sort of popping up in these, um, you know, I guess, you know, hotbeds. But how important is it for, I guess, beer to get a more traction and a wider reach to have something that's, I guess, central like Beer Deluxe? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely important. There's people who, you know... I've got, a, I've got a friend that's a huge beer nut and he's out in uh, Vermont and he, he drives to go and get beer. You know, it, it's just all these places that are popping up that are just kind of outside in the suburbs, look at, you know, public breweries, um, all that sort of stuff. You know, the people out there want it and they're really busy. Um, um, so it's obviously there's a huge, um, you know, it's kind of, I guess it was kind of easy in the centre of town. But again, we also had a huge amount of tourists um, come through and that made it really easy, I guess, to kind of upsell beer, um, you know, to be able to sort of push tourists to go, oh, you're here for beer, that's awesome. You know, it's a short train ride out to, to Holgate. It's, it's a short tram ride down the road to Mountain Goat. You know, just trying to really push people out there and trying to spread it all out. Um, but, yeah. Matt? Oh, sorry, Prof. I thought that, yeah, that, that I was just no, I like, you guys enjoying. I like I like uh, to share the conversation. Yeah, fair enough. I, it's just one of those times when I get to sort of sit back and uh, listen to you guys chat and uh, not have to cop the viewer or the listener feedback that it's it's the old Matt show. So, but Chev, I mean, it, it, that was a point I was making at the start of the chat. Is that you know, I, I think if you've been in the industry for four or five years now. Um, you're pretty much a veteran. You've seen a, you know, a huge amount of change um, just over that short period. Um, you seem to have managed to make a career. You're program director for uh, Good Beer Week. You've never been tempted into following the path into, for example, becoming a sales rep or working in that side of the, the, the business? Um, I, I have been, uh, especially when I left Beer Deluxe, um, I took six months off um, just to kind of, I guess, regroup um also a lot of things that i was missing out on i really wanted to sort of i guess get get myself out there and try and see other options um hospitality can be pretty um hard so um i did sort of investigate a couple of those options and definitely did get offered a couple of sales jobs um but anyone who knows me pretty well knows that i'd be a shocking sales rep <laughs> um so uh yeah i think that that's probably a pretty hard job i mean at the moment i know quite a few and there's just only so many tap points and there's only so much, you know, you can get yourself out there. And I know it's a pretty hard job for them. So um, for me, it just wasn't really ever an option. Um, I do, I do love what I do in hospitality and um, especially the event side of things. I, yeah. I think that's probably where I, yeah, where I enjoy myself and that's where my passion lies. So 
I've kind of headed in that direction and sort of um, stuck with the event contract work. Um, and yeah, loving it. So I'm still doing it. So <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I, I don't think I could ever work for a single brewery selling beer because I, I just find even if they've got two or three beers, so I just absolutely rave about if they've got one or two, they think, oh. You know. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's I, I the just, benefit. So I can the just go out. I, 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 yeah, I sell the idea of beer. I don't sell any particular beer. Um, is the way I describe it. So, but exactly. that, that brings us that it brings us to Good Beer Week, and you are program director. Um, and I, I just saw before we we called to, to chat to you today. Um, you're posting in your Facebook a big ass banner. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a stretching, billboard, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. We... It really is bigger than Christmas this year. Uh, yeah, it actually is. It's starting to feel like it. I hope everyone's sort of um, starting to feel that sort of excitement before. Um, and especially for us in the office, this is obviously just after Comedy Festival, all of our um, sort of major marketing kicks in. Um, so you'll see our, see our street posters around. We've got some Good Beer Week trams going around. Um, and just that big billboard that's sitting on the Tullamarine Freeway as people enter Melbourne. So we're absolutely stoked with it. It's um, it, it's a bit surreal at this point so it's good it's good it's and I know, I know chef you're you're a very humble girl so you're you're not going to blow your own trumpet but we spoke to james smith last week the you know one of the i guess yeah. one of the spiritual heads of, of good beer week um who's who stepped yeah, away as of this year uh but he actually tells us that it was uh your you came up with the tagline of um of bigger than christmas <laughs> uh it was never meant to be on a billboard um we we were doing a strategic session with all the committee members and um, I don't know if you've heard of the term of a BHAG. So it's a, it's a big, audacious, hairy goal, a big, hairy, audacious goal um, that sort of, I guess, is, is like a um, where you where you want to be in 20 years' time, what you want to see as like, a headline yeah, yeah. on a, on yeah, a your pipe is. dream and yeah. something, something you want to see on a newspaper. And um, we went around the table and, and I said that, good beer week, bigger than Christmas. And... Um, it was only meant to actually be stay with the committee, and I, I remember I, I think I was away or something, and I came back, and Kate's like, "So our things good, bigger, bigger than Xmas," and I'm like, "Oh no, okay." So yeah, I, yeah, I did come up with it, but yeah, I'm I'm glad. I think it, I think it really sort of um, sums up, I guess that that's my vibe before Good Beer Week, and I know a lot of other people feel that that it, you know people take time off for it, and you know people gear up, get really excited, and it's that kind of lead up to that, I guess. So you realise you do realise that you you do realise, Chef, that you're now sort of in the same sort of revered company as people like John Lennon. I think he was the last one to sort of. You haven't up, <laughs> you haven't upset. I was going to ask. Yeah. You haven't upset the Christian <laughs> lobby, have you? Upset. Have you got any? Is there any feedback <laughs> at all from you know? Because the look, the reality is, I, I guess in this town, um, we we're pretty good at not taking ourselves too seriously, and I don't think anybody is seriously going to think that that. People are suggesting that you know Good Beer Week is actually of more you know cultural, religious, political, or you know personal significance than um... no, and it's not it's not meant to be like that at all. It's obviously just a you know, as I said, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and it's just a kind of I guess a big statement. And um, we, we made sure we went through all the right measures beforehand to you know just sort of make sure that we wouldn't sort of upset anyone or do that. That's not what we're about. It's you know. Um, just a you know a tongue-in-cheek kind of comment that you know this is this is this is how we feel and you know we didn't put bigger than Christmas we made sure it was Xmas and all that sort of stuff so um, I mean obviously all the posters are going out now so we'll see but so far no backlash just um, 
just really good feedback from people super excited about the festival. So, yeah, we're stoked. Beyond big, hairy goals and big banners, um, what people flying into Melbourne for the week or Melbourne residents who are, who are there for the week, what are they going to notice that's different this year? Um, you know, I, there's going to be Pine of Origin, there's going to be Gabs, there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of the regular, um, uh, you know, tap takeovers and that sort of thing. What else um, are we going to see as part of the Good Beer Week program this year? Um, there's always a, a, a pretty good amount of free events um, around, which obviously Pooh's part of that sort of stuff, but a lot of tap takeovers. We've got a lot of sort of more Southside venues, which is great. Um, again, uh, a lot more sort of around the other suburbs. Um, what else? We've got a lot of events featuring things like... Um, Makers seem to be pretty exciting this year. We've got a lot of homebrew comps um, that sort of seems to be the um, the, the flavour of the month, um, homebrewing. So um, just really great vibe around town, I reckon. There's just something, honestly, you could walk around. I think there's two, 280 events all up, I think it is now, um, over about 180 venues. So, yeah, I think uh, you, you, you won't be able to get away from it. We everywhere. There is something for everybody, and obviously oh, Australian Brews News is um, involved in the beer geek stream. And uh, tomorrow uh, we're running a story that's the picks of the editorial team of Australian Brews News, and uh, we've all, we're all giving our picks. But we're also doing some stuff with the Cryer Malt uh, Lounge, um, probably a little bit more industry or. Yeah, it's a new addition to the to the program. I guess um, we just see that there are some elements of trade. Um, that that kind of could do with a little bit of events as well, and especially things like homebrew and stuff like that. So yeah, we've got um, a couple of events happening in there uh, each day. Um, a couple of uh, invite only, but there's definitely some free ones there for hunters to go and check it out. Um, we've got a you know like a, a like a gypsy brewery uh, new brews event happening on the first Saturday up there, and that involves uh, six or seven. New, new breweries, so um, you know, Wadsdale's, Bad Shepherd, all, all the guys that have just sort of started up, um, head up there. It's a free event. It's a great chance to sort of taste some new guys and get them a chance. Some of them brand new beer and some I think it's going to be up there as well. It might be the first chance you'll be able to taste their beers. Um, and then what else have we got up there? There's a, I mean, you're doing your day, which sounds amazing. So that's the Brews News Q and A. Um, very interesting stuff on you know, draft management and quality and contracts, all the good stuff. We're, we're planning on getting a little stuff. bit controversial there, Chef. So um, <laughs> we, we hope to shield the uh, the organisers from any 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 you know sort of any liability. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, <laughs> but actually, I love it. I think I, I, I do owe you an email um, for that, which I'll uh, talk about off air. But we are yeah we, we're going live with the program. It's just been getting the last couple of guests locked in. We're hoping particularly for the contracts. We're hoping that an ACCC commissioner will be on the panel to talk about some of the legals around it, and uh, and we've got some very uh, you know, opinionated brewers, uh, yeah, yeah and, and also uh, the commercial manager for Beer Deluxe, who's going to talk about you know some of the considerations they make um, in, yeah. in putting beer taps on. So yeah, so look, I, I think there's going to be some really interesting discussions as part of what we are. Now, I won't put you on the spot by asking what your events, what, what events you would like to go to are, because um, I, I guess that you, you get yourself in all sorts of trouble if you singled out you know, one or two events out of a program. I mean, I, I don't really get much of a chance. Um, so on top of looking after the program and all the other stuff, I actually run my own events. 
So um, I'm pretty hectic every day. Um, you know, I'm responsible for the um, first up. We do the Voudemont with um, Stone and Mac Forbes uh, Brew versus um, Crew. Uh, I've got my masterclass the next day, which I'm really excited about this one. Um, masterclass down at Brayside, um, which is a blending masterclass um, with Brooklyn, Eight Wide, Starwood and uh, Boat Rocker all coming together. Um, bringing bringing beers over the Pacific to to blend at the day, so that's going to be awesome. Um, then pretty much throughout the whole week, I I am helping in the trade hub, um, manning the Goodbye Week phone. Um, I'm hoping to get to um, the northern at some point to um, check out that they've got a Lagunitas container coming. Um, what else am I excited about? Um, I'm I'm really excited about I'm doing a, a homebrew day, um, which um, has taken up a lot of my time, but I'm really excited about it, which is a homebrew symposium on the final Saturday. Um, we're just going to have some great chats with um, a lot of the, the homebrew shops, but also a couple of professional brewers coming in. We're going to do some salt training, kind of, I guess, an intro to um, all-grain brewing. So I think that's the next sort of phase. Everyone's getting right into craft beer, but I think also just like people started smoking meat, all that sort of stuff, I think homebrewing is going to be the next little... Um, surge um, and a lot of people are brewing in bags at the moment or extract and a lot of people wanting to make that next step to sort of all grain so this is that session um, super easy we've got um, yeah we're going to do a, a live brew on the day we've got brew dog coming in to talk about recipes and development that sort of stuff and then we finish um, with a smash beer competition with the seven homebrew clubs so the seven sort of main ones in, in Victoria smash being single malt and single hop so cryo malt uh, and HBA uh, donated a, uh, a hop. Um, the homebrew club spun a wheel, and they got lumped with what they spun. Um, so they've gone they've gone away to kind of create something, and they'll come back, and there'll be seven different malts and seven different hops um, across those clubs. And that's a great opportunity for anyone who's kind of at that stage where they're homebrewing. Um, joining a club is probably the next step to kind of improving what you're doing and. Um, getting involved um, and, and you know entering competitions and I mean there's some uh, that that's a lot of a step into becoming a, a, a brewer a lot of a lot of our brewers have actually started that way so I think it's a great great opportunity. Terrific. Is there anything that wasn't in the program or you know last minute inclusions or guests who confirmed at the last minute that they're flying in from overseas? Because I know that's a huge part of what you do, trying to tee up guests. And we've got the Craft Brewers Conference in the States that's led to people yeah. buying hard to get be on both sides of the Pacific in such a short time. Yeah. No. Um, look, not particularly. I've got a few things, but obviously I don't want to announce anything until I've firmly locked some stuff in. Um, but yes, you do. Yes, you do. News exclusive. <laughs> no, there's, yeah, not quite. Not quite. I would hate if I said something and everyone's like, "Oh, wasn't that guy coming?" No, but it's it's all it's all stuff that'll come out. You'll be the first to know. I promise. But no, no, no. Half of the time, they just honestly turn up and they don't really know what's happened or they haven't really let us know, so we can't really get them involved. Um, so, and, and again. Um, with the AIBA being um, over that um, sort of opening weekend, uh, a lot of them, we're not sure who's sticking around, who's not. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, there might be some judges around that actually are going to stay for the whole week, but we don't know that. So you might be having a beer next to someone pretty cool from America or Japan or, or whatever and not knowing that they're actually an a, a international brewer. 
Well, you, you raised that uh, people will be able to find out about it. I guess that's a really good way to segue into how do people stay in touch, uh, you know, reach out to Good Beer Week and how do we stay in touch and get the latest news and updates uh, from you? Um, oh, definitely social media. Uh, we've got Tiff on board for our social, um, she's our social manager. She has been for years um, and she's great on that. So Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, Get all around that. We've also obviously got our website, um, which is. And what would your handle be? So you, 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 Tiff will be slapping her forehead, sort of saying, "Mention the name." I, or I could be we, the Twitter yep. name, or yeah, oh, just, all uh, of them. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm trying think, to give you a free kick here. I think they're all good. Week. I don't know. I'm terrible <laughs> at that sort of stuff. And don't forget, website, and don't forget the app. Don't forget the app. The app. Is I was sensational. about to mention it. <laughs> I was about to mention it, but you cut me off. And also, yeah, we've got the app, and um, and everyone who sort of downloads that, that's great. I, I'm I'm hoping that you enjoy it. Um, any feedback, definitely forward it on. Or if not, please review it for us because that just kind of keeps us um, happy <laughs> and and helps us improve. But um, what happens? There's another update that happens just before Good Beer Week um, with some really interesting um, updates for people to use during the festival itself. So that will be pretty cool to find out, um, you know, um, interactive map and um, some cool photo kind of frames and stuff like that will kind of start being introduced. So look out for that. Just make sure that you have it. The feedback that I've had it. from people who have used the app, Chev, is that it is the best thing. It's bigger than Christmas. It's just it's said it's, a, it's, it's really, really well done. Christmas. Yeah. Um, no, but, yeah, it, but it's actually, it actually works really well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, wait, wait for the updates. I think it's going to be um, people are going to be pretty excited during the week. So if, yeah, just make sure you download it. If that, if your friends don't have it, tell them to download it. It's um, it's you're carrying the program around in your pocket. It's the easiest way to do it. And I mean, I've I've done my shortlist just to remind me where I have to be at certain times, and there'll be alerts sent off and stuff like that. That'll it's it's a, it's just a good way of kind of yeah keeping on top of your your, your beer week because I know that it kind of can get a bit overwhelming, but it's a good way to kind of. It's your go-to guide. Beautiful. Well, we're inside a month now. We're counting down. By the time uh, this, it'll only be two and a half, three weeks by the time we go live with this podcast. But Siobhan, Karen, or Chev, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brews News and all the best in that last little bit of time before Good Beer Week starts getting everything together. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. In the garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. And that was Siobhan Karen. Mate, it's always good. She's she's just wonderful, isn't she? She is. Uh, energetic. She's a little dynamo in terms of uh, the, the, the stuff that she, she gets up to year round. But then, of course, it all culminates in, in Good Beer Week and... Uh, as I sort of intimated before we we chatted with her, I think Good Beer Week is in is in pretty good hands, um, and and it's certainly you know the last five years has laid a bit of a a springboard shaped platform for for 
um, for Good Beer Week to kind of you know rock it off. It just seems to have maintained its. Um, there's there's something about it, and I, I uh, didn't quite get to ask Sheb, but I'll ask you. Do you think like there have been plenty of uh, beer festivals spawned, you know, um, I guess in um, uh, what, what do you call it, uh, inspired by by Good Beer Week, uh, and many have I guess stumbled or or just not had the same kind of um, respect that that Good Beer Week seems to garner, and I just wonder whether the fact that it's it's fairly well known that Good Beer Week is a is a not for profit um, event, uh, does that have something to do with it? Are we, do we get a bit cynical when we just think it's it's a, an event organizer or a, a marketing concept that's just trying to make money out of a uh, an event that that makes it different? I, I think it fundamentally changes the feel of the venue because if you've got a um, business that you know has a staff of X number that you know, who who need to be paid, um, and then as businesses tend to want to do, they want to make money. Um, that means that there's just that layer of cost over the, the structure. And Prof, as you know, any event um, you know, has a, just a basic infrastructure cost. I mean, you, you, when you stand around gabs, oh. if people complain about the ticket prices, when you see the army of people who are bumping in oh, the, and the, the stuff sound system. Yeah, yeah. Security yeah. and liability and, um, yeah, there's, there are just so many... Uh, yeah, so many aspects that, that just cost a dollar here and a dollar there all along the way before you even open the doors and, and start setting up. Whereas the Good Beer Week model seems to be, you know, it's very much a volunteer committee for the first few and now they've got the resources to be a little bit more professional about it. But even so, it's a very tight um, team, you know, very, very, you know, uh, you know slim down team. Um, and I, I guess they don't need to create the event, individual event infrastructure, because most of them are held at venues that, ha that have that, and then they become a marketing and curation um, organisation. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it allows them to do it. And people, I think people know that they're doing it genuinely to raise the tide that lifts all boats. Yep. Um, and, and things like the, um, you know, Tourism Victoria being involved, where they perhaps wouldn't if it was merely a, a purely a, a commercial you know, oh, we just want to sell beer or we want to sell tickets to beer events. Um, so you, as a result, you get things like the the freeway billboard, you know, over the um, the Tullamarine Freeway, basically, you know, the entrance to, to the city of Melbourne, which is, you know, which is just sensational. Yeah, possibly. I, I, I guess I see the tourism, you know, Melbourne tourism's involvement as being more, you know, a, you know, affirmation of just how big it is. They can't ignore it and they see how many people it brings in um, and, and drives tourism to the state. So I actually see that's a real affirmation for for them to be involved. Yeah, yeah. So now, Prof, now obviously that we are talking about an interview that we recorded with Chev last week, um, so we haven't just uh, hung up the phone to her. But, uh, you know, I sent her a little bit, a quick little note afterwards, you know, thanking her for the chat and... Uh, you know, uh, appreciating her time. And uh, she did get back to me. Thanks for having me. I thought it would be uh, a little juicier topics. And I replied, juicy, did we miss something? I thought we were talking about could be a week. I was wondering what you'd uh, told her, but apparently you told her that we were going to sort of talk about um, trends, venue issues, 
and uh, she thought for sure that it was that she was going to get the what's it like being a woman in beer <laughs> <laughs> question after last week's angry angry listener yeah. rant about sexism. And uh, see, this is the problem. See, it, it highlights that here at Radio Brews News and at Australian Brews News, we, we don't think of drinkers as as having a gender, having gender uh, yeah. uh, by the sort. Oh, no, you know, and it was one of those things. I mean, just I don't like think beer, that I... Just a good beer person, that's, you know. Yeah, and, and well, I, I replied to her saying, you know, oh, God, you know, listener complaints probably get us to flog the horse more rather than... <laughs> well, look, than, and, than, and, and look, the other thing too, I didn't want to... Um, because what Chev and I had spoken about privately was that, you know, yeah, there are events that you know, where people want to jump on board and be and, and pay their fee and, and get a, a good beer week event up and it's actually knocked back because it doesn't kind of fit within the the broad guidelines of, of you know, growing, promoting um, and, and advocating, you know, all that's good about beer. So perhaps, perhaps a that, great we, example we of that is... To talk about they are the only event that I've seen that they've actually put an embargo on beer pong. Although I think Bruce Vegas did as well. Bruce Vegas had a um, you know no beer pong events, even though beer pong events don't use beer. Yeah, they use water. There is still something. I mean, I, I just sort of think that there is just something. The underlying message about beer pong is that it's you know whether you are consuming alcohol or not, it, it just has that message of uh, beer drinking. I recently saw one Brisbane venue, you know did a beer pong event with Cooper's where they use Cooper's Burrell, which is the no alcohol beer. Um, and I just thought, well, you know, it's Well, it's dancing with your sister, but it's also, and listeners, let us know what you think. Cause it, it is something that I sort of do tend to talk about a little. And it comes back to the article you wrote, you know, that the, the, the perception of beer is in all of our hands. Um, even though it's not of itself a beer drinking event um, or like a, a, an irresponsible alcohol consumption event. No. It, it still just has that, you know, taint of being about, you know, uh, you know there, there's it, just it's, that... It, it's it's a, another drop in the bucket that adds to the overall impression and, you know, yeah. um, that if we fill the bad bucket, you know, drop by drop, eventually it's going to overflow. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. So, but a great, great chat with uh, Siobhan. Um, Chef, now one thing I actually one thing I wanted I didn't get to in the intro prof uh, when I was talking about my little weekend away. I'm sorry, listeners, for the Matt's postcard from Sydney, but uh, something that was very exciting for me was I went to Beer Deluxe where we hosted the podcast in the pub, and uh, you know the the beer of the week was Matilda Bay Redback. Look, I, I, I was very excited um, because it's a, just a beer that you don't see. You know, you you see a lot of fat yak. You see, you know, lazy yak. You see. Well, we had um, Ruby I, Tuesday. We had was on, was on offer the weekend we were up there, and, and that's one that you see quite a bit, actually. No, it, I, I'm actually surprised that Ruby Tuesday is as available as it is when they talk about when CBS have talks about. Oh, you know. There isn't the market, there isn't the appetite for the bigger flavoured beers. You know, Ruby Tuesday's got quite a bit of bite to it. And, you know, the old Rooftop Red was a favourite, favourite beer, but it just never seemed to, to get that volume yeah. um, that, that saw it survive. So, you know, Ruby Tuesday. Um, but no, look, uh, just to see Redback out there um, was genuinely an, an exciting for me, um, you know big brewery or not um you know we've talked about our views about you know supporting small because we make a you know every beer we buy is a vote about the future of the industry but 
it is a beer that I still I have very sentimental attachment to, and it was very exciting to see, and it was tasting very, uh, you know, very very nice. I, I think I made the point on my, on my post that it was looking a little bit uh, brighter um, than than usual. Um, then then I remember it anyway. I, I remember that even though it was always a filtered wheat beer, that it was quite bright. But then again, that might be one of those uh, conflations of memory. Yeah, a bit of halo, uh, and yeah, yeah. had it for a while. Yeah, but, but it was certainly tasting beautiful. Because yeah, it's never um, been one of those big banana lolly kind of aromatic um, ester beers. It's always, for me, it, it's it's been that one that I guess more more highlights the spiciness, the the clovey kind of. Exactly, very, very clove. Um, I, I've always found it to be very clove compared to some of the German interpretations. But having said that, banana bomb profits. I, I followed it up with a Weinstefana that was also on tap, um, a, a Weinstefana heifer. Um, it's you know, just one of the gold standards yes. for, for the style. Um, and even having that, it wasn't a banana bomb either. And I, I get this, you know, I see it quite often in the craft beer ranks that, you know, when the, the style notes for um, a beer are, you know, banana lolly, bubble gum and clove, that it almost becomes cartoonish, like those because it's meant to be crafter, it's meant to be about flavour, those things are almost exaggerated. Yeah, um, yeah. And there aren't too many German wheat beers that I would describe as being a banana bomb. Yeah, sure, it's there, um, roundabout, and then you can get a little bit of smoky bacon, you can get some of these other things in there. But I, I find that they do tend to be much more subtle than the craft versions are. Yeah, and look, and different different people, you know, uh, are kind of, you know, they're either a sweet or savoury kind of um, uh, olfactory um, sensibility. So some some people will get more of the, oh, no, you know, I can't smell any clove and, you know, it's all banana to me and someone else will go, oh, I can't get the banana at all. And, and some people don't even, you know, it, it's one of those things, some people don't even get clove or, you know, what one of the, the, the great examples is that I often give in my tastings is, you know, when you go to wine tasting and um, the, the wine guy says, oh, you're going to taste gooseberry and wet granite. Um, again, and again, everyone's nodding. <laughs> well, everyone's nodding sagely, and then you sort of turn to the person on either side and say, "Mate, have you ever eaten a gooseberry?" Nah, nah, mate. Well, ever how... licked wet granite? <laughs> yeah. How can you tell? I, I guess wet granite's probably more of a sensation. Um, you know, sort of, I always presume it's metallic, mineral, ting but, you know, yeah, mineral tingling yeah. kind of. Yeah. Unless you've eaten a gooseberry, which very few people have, um, how can how how can gooseberry mean anything to you? And yeah, unless you've had a mango. Um, how can that mean anything to you as a descriptor? And, and that's where it's sort of you know, very, very personal. And I, I guess in Australia we get a lot of mangoes that mean something to us, but you know they're, they're probably a little bit rarer in in other climes. But anyway, um, good, to, good to see it was this, there. Good to see it was there, and we've got Scotty Vincent on the show next week, so I might even have a bit of a chat to him uh, about that we because should. it is something. Hmm. We very, so, we very should. Uh, now, not too many cards noticed this week. No new reviews, um, so I might just. Give Lockie a chance to insert his uh, music. Nice little tune last week, Rock. Lockie, what have you got for us this week? There you go. Um, now, just one email came in. Um, g'day, Matt, Andy, Graham here. Um, 
You may remember the amateur brew magazine Osbia from a few years ago. Now, that is quite a few years ago. It was one of the old uh, print magazines uh, that, that goes back. I, I might even... Osbia. Osbia. Yeah, no, mate, I've got a copy. I've got yeah, one I've copy of the edition. It. I might even follow up Andy and see whether he's got some back issues because okay. uh, that was it, it was great. Um, and without sort of having Andy's obvious listener, shout out to Andy, but um, without any uh, sort of... Uh, I just sort of remember the, the issue I've got was a, from memory it's got a fellow holding a tankhead of beer um, and he's got one you know like a big handlebar moustache and looking very much you know the, the, that 1980s yeah again I might be sort of Neo creating this, I might be creating this memory but he may even have had a pork pie hat <laughs> um, but it was yeah so it, 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 it's certainly going back um, but it was you know it, it was you know probably what Bruce News was back in the days of print um, in fact I think um uh, he said we ran it for about 10 years until the inter internet took over. I was technical editor for Osbeer and one of the four founders of the mag. We, What you blokes and crafty are providing is brilliant. I love it. So, um, yeah, no, thank you very much for that. Um, on to Bronze Brews. What a great book. have been reading it over the last couple of months when I got a chance. Very well put together. He reproduced the 1017 Toots Pale Ale with the corn and raw sugar as shown in the recipe. My brew length was 45 litres. I use Sapphire SO4 yeast. Now, this might mean something to homebrewers. Um, I don't worry too much if uh, if it doesn't mean anything to you, listeners. And part of my hop bill was homegrown Cascade. So he's he's pretty serious about his uh, homebrewing. Yeah, um, very much so. Mine do not have the American aroma, though. A little bit of this, – this is me editorialising – a little bit of uh, um, terroir um, then. I'd be interested in knowing exactly where Andy's growing them then. Um, they were used for biddling only. Wow. Um, turned out great. By liquidizing the corn in a separate mash with one kilo of malt to create a dextrinous wort, I then boiled it as a decoction match for 10 minutes. Uh, this was added to the main mash. The reason I mentioned the mash process is the additional uh, dextrins offset the use of corn and sugar, which would normally leave a thin beer. This left the beer with the final gravity of 1018, creamy and luscious. If they had beer this good in 1917, well, they were lucky bastards. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so great to see that he's making the uh, um, recipes from it. Um, and it certainly is a good book. Uh, go back and listen to the podcast with uh, Peter listeners and uh, certainly buy the book. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I thought it was interesting, again, because next week we're speaking to Scotty uh, Vincent about uh, the McCrackens and uh, whether – drinkers want to drink the old beers or not so uh, uh we've said in the past that we, we don't think there would be broad interest in it but um andy's actually uh made the beer and and, and loved it so I, I will have to give it a try he said that he has some left over if i mean if i get to melbourne quickly he'd uh love to give me a sample so hopefully he'll have some left in could be a week and i'll make a trip out to to try it and we can have a bit of a chat about it so andy thank you very much for uh, getting in contact don't think there are too many other cards and letters or comments this week that we need to uh, talk about, Prof. Um, listeners, please do jump on iTunes and leave a review if you like the podcast. Um, we had a couple of great reviews last week. Um, apparently, I need to lift my game, but Pete's doing great stuff. <laughs> well, I should point out, yes, I was uh, lucky enough uh, on uh, Sunday a week ago to get out to the, the Crafty Cabal, which is uh, James Smith's uh, latest uh, Incarnation of um, of the crafty pint, so it's a you know like a I guess that we talked about last yeah, week exactly, and uh, so we had the the launch at Forrester's 
beer hall. And, um, you know, from across the room, you know, Crafty's calling out to me. So, oh, yeah. And he said, just raise your glass. I said, oh, raise my glass. Anyway, it turns out there's a, a couple of guys there, the, uh, the Clark brothers, Ian and, and John. Um, Ian, Ian or John, I can't remember which one. Uh, one of them was down from, he's a Newcastle boy, so he was, he was down. Uh, and they wrote, they, they said, oh, we just wanted to, you know, just wanted to meet you. And, um, you know, we, we listen to Radio Brews News all the time. So there you go. And look, one person at the table may have made mention that, um, you know, it'd be good if, if, if you got, if Prof got to ask, you know, a few more questions uh, of the guests. But, I, you know, well, I'll just leave that, you know, as it is. But they were effusive in their praise of, um, of Radio Bruce News, so I just thought I'd give them a big shout out. So thanks for that, guys. Good to catch up. Well, mate, mate, I, I look, point taken, and as you know, I have always taken on the chin, and you know, I, I, I own that, um, and I own the veracity of that. But I, I, I think that chat with Siobhan, you uh, were the lead interviewer, and then that was before you gave me that feedback, and I've been making a real effort to give you a chance to get a word in edgewise. And it's appreciated by, <laughs> by the listeners, because they make they, you know, they make comment. Like, oh, good. More prof, less Matt. So, okay. Well, maybe, uh, mate, well, prof, how about uh, next week you run the show? No, no, no. no. Don't need to do no, that. No, no, you, you, I'll, I'll okay. be the colour man and you be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what are you up to this week, prof? Anything interesting? Uh, just trying to think which week are we pretending this is now? Because we've, <laughs> we've done a lot of interviews to then, to then release in, into the future. So, uh, uh, I'll be very busy, Matt. Leading into what well, we're coming up to, I've got a couple of corporate events, and then we're straight into uh, judging for the uh, Australian International Beer Awards, which um, beautifully, um, and synchronicitously, is um, is running straight into Good Beer Week. So it's Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday um, of Good Beer Week. What dates are they? So that's uh, let me see, because I'm I'm looking yeah, ahead to next week. Yeah. Uh, hang on a tick. I'll just flip the thing over there. It's 12, 13, 14. Okay, 12, 13, 14. So, no, well, this will be, this podcast will be out uh, on Friday, the, uh, let me see. April the 28th or something or 29th? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, no, Friday. This, this week. Yeah, no, Friday the 29th, this uh, podcast yeah, will be well, out. Yeah. And the, the, the Scotty Vincent episode um, that we've talked about First will be Friday the 6th. That weekend, I'm out at the Roma show, um, heading out to yeah, Roma sorry, again. I can't make it so, out there with you. Taking good beer to the good people. And then the following week is the start of Good Beer Week um, when you'll be down. So good a couple of weeks. And we've got uh, Mother's Day in there. So maybe we should do a, a special, you know, Mother's Day edition of Radio Brews News. Yeah. yeah we'll do some get, do some research and get some mums to, to tell us what Maybe we should speak to Emily Day's mum. Um, yeah. Yeah. We could do that. <laughs> have, have a chat with her. Sylvia. Um, yeah. She can tell us all about what she hates about beers that we mentioned to her. And what she hates about podcasts, <laughs> about beer podcasts. Um, so, yeah, and, and listeners, just very quickly, qu quick plug for what we're doing in the Cryomalt Lounge on Wednesday, the 18th of May. Um, series of discussions, uh, Radio Brews News Live Q&As, where now, Prof, at the moment, I'm in negotiations with the ACCC for our contracts panel. So that's shaping up wow. to be an absolute cracker. We, we, are going we, we certainly have no shortage of um, opinion. We've got Muzzin Hajjar locked in, yep. who is uh, an absolute dead set anti any form of commercial arrangement. Yep. Um, but again, um, apparently... That was, that was uh, great in Here Come the Habibs as well. <laughs> but he's apparently doing red hot pricing on his beers. Whereas, uh, And then we've got, it uh, looks like we've got Michael Conrad from Newstead Brewing, who has 
worked with one or two brewer, uh, venues to put some, sorry, wait for the uh, rubbish truck to go past. Um, might be just the, the rubbish truck winding me up. Um, and uh, yeah, so, uh, and then hoping to also have uh, maybe even Cam Pierce from Cooper's, um, which is a nice counterpoint. You know, Cooper's always struggled in- uh, Early doors, when there yeah. Was, the, the big days, but these days they're quite happy to, you know, have uh, commercial arrangements um, once they're available. And uh, in negotiations with the ACCC at the moment to uh, possibly, yeah, get an ACCC commissioner on to talk about that, and uh, that will also allow us to talk about some other labelling, um, draft quality, and uh, you know, science in the brew house. So uh, and there's going to be yeah, science in the brew house is probably. Uh, not that it's going to be dry, but that's going to be certainly of, of great interest to the um, to those of a technical bent. Um, but the other two, I suspect, uh, are going to be controversy corner writ large. Um, yeah, no, look, I reckon there's going to be a little bit. You know, um, I mean, Brendan Varis is on the quality in the brew house um, stage, and I think it'll be great for even a home brewer. You know, anyone because it's talking about what you need to be looking at, what you need to be measuring to make your beer. Um, you know. The, the the quality that putting a price on it um, demands, and uh, I, you know, without preempting anything that Brendan says, Brendan uh, is certainly one of the guys who is willing to speak his mind um, when it comes to quality in the you know the the minimum quality standards for beer. So yeah. there could be a little bit of a certainly forthright discussion uh, around that one, which will be great. So listeners, get on it, um, jump on the Beer Geek Stream site, and if you just click on the link from the top right hand corner of Australian Brews News. Um, you'll be able to get there and uh, buy tickets. I think it's 40 bucks for, you know, stay as long as you want. We've got three panels, uh, lunch and even beer thrown in. So uh, certainly great value. And, you know, before the evening events of a uh, good beer week uh, uh, kick off that night. And I think that night is Brewers and Chewers, Prof. It is Brewers and Chewers. But um, don't bother trying to get tickets because I'm pretty sure it's sold out already. So sold out. But uh, certainly, yeah, uh, before your nighttime kicks off, a great way to uh, immerse yourself in, you know, could be a week in a you know and, and have some good chat yeah. so um prof that's probably a great show siobhan karen thank you very much for coming on prof talk to you next week when we uh, chat to scotty vincent we shall do